Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Hello to you YouTubers, Facebookers, and the people on church online. Uh, We're just so grateful to be together in this way. Hey, if we want to know that you're here, so leave your name in the comments. We love to hear from you. It's awesome to see us all together in the chat feed. Today, uh, if you're looking for today's digital sermon notes, you can find them at thecrosspointchurch.ca slash notes. Also, if you're looking for deeper study and reflection, you can find a home group study guide there that you can use to your benefit. Now, today is the fourth week of our travel light series. And this, this series is all about unwrapping and disposing of all the dead weight in our lives. And some burdens, uh, they're easier to give up than others, and others we just need to entrust to Christ Jesus. So I'm going to encourage you to do that today. And today, specifically, I want to talk to you about letting go of control. And so when I say control, I mean all our feeble efforts to control the people or events that happen in our lives. You know, We want control because life is actually quite scary and chaotic and unpredictable. Fear drives us to control. You know, fear kickstarts our flight or fight response, and and so we can get out ahead of life. And so, you know, most of us have felt the sting of hurt and loss and betrayal and humiliation, and we just never want to feel that way. So we assume control of our lives protects us from the world and all those uncomfortable situations. It allows us to get in the first punch before life takes us down. And this thing, this control, can be one of the hardest hurdles for us to overcome. The problem is that control is elusive. Let me explain. A good while back, my wife and I were visiting a neighbor, and on their front door, they had this little alarm company sticker. And when we saw that, my wife and I started to wonder, do we need an alarm system for our new house? And so we decided to ask our friends about it, and this is what we discovered. They didn't actually even have an alarm security system. They only had the sticker. It was just this visual burglar deterrent that they decided to put up that helped them to sleep a little bit more soundly at night because of this illusion of safety. And just like my friends, you see, Our need to control everything is just like that alarm sticker. It's it's an illusion of control to increase our own sense of security. We want to feel like we're in charge of our own lives, so we we fixate uh, and calm our anxieties by focusing on everything just being just right. But since our security depends on some person or something, that we must control, we're not really in control at all. Instead, that person or thing controls us, doesn't it? And so we start to wonder, what is the point of being anxious over things that we can't control? And so, like, don't get me wrong, this can feel like a safe way to live, but I believe that it's an incredibly limited way to live. In fact, it's no way to live at all. Let me be clear, I'm not minimizing anxiety today. I myself suffer from anxiety in some level or another. 
But you know, I don't think God ever intended us to live such a small, predictable, and desperate existence. There's more. God has always desired us to have so much more than control. He wants us to experience relationship and vulnerability and wonder. He wants us to feel real love, to be known and to know him. So if you're struggling with control today, I want to remind you of this. God works through our trust and not through our control. You might be wondering today, what does this kind of trust then look like? So today we're going to look at the life of Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus. And it's really something. This girl is a prime example of unwavering faith, a far cry from the teenage moms that we find on MTV. But like any girl, she has her own hopes and plans. She was planning a wedding. Her home was in a faraway place with different social limitations. And she was engaged to this basic carpenter, Joseph, but an angel of the Lord crashes the wedding preparations and the things get a little shaky and out of control. And so when God disrupts Mary's life and plans, what does she do? She shows us exactly how to surrender and put our trust in God. So if you have your, your Bible today or your Bible app, I'm going to get you to swipe to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. And we're going to start reading Mary's story at verse 26. And I'll let you turn there for a second. This is what Luke writes, starting with verse 26. In the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee near Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Let's just stop here for a second, and let me share some quick observation. It's funny. I've been meditating on this passage a lot lately, as we do. And recently, I was driving in my car, and the classic Mary Did You Know song came on the radio. And But this time, it was different. Something was off about that song. I just wasn't feeling it. And so I quickly uh, shut off the station, changed it to another channel. And I was just like, of course Mary knew. An angel told Mary and her husband Joseph. She knew. And so for me personally, in that car, I had a eureka moment. Listen, let me tell you why this observation is so important. Mary did know something. Maybe not that it would be her baby or that it would be a baby at all, but she knew God's plans and promises. She anticipated them. So even though Mary and Joseph were these poor, unpopular Galileans from the North Country, they knew where they stood in the larger context of God's story. And so I really don't think Mary, did you know, would be her jam. Really. So if we were to, we were to play a game of jam or no jam, you know what song would actually win between, a, you know, Mary, did you know, and another song? We 
Well, have you heard, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel? We actually sang it today. Now that song, that would be Mary's jam. That would be her number one song. And why? Well, let's, let's, let's read a small excerpt from the first verse of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It says, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Why is this song Mary's jam? Well, let me tell you, the song demonstrates how a devout Israelite would view the time that they lived in. Mary and and all her ancestors before her were all waiting their entire lives for God to fulfill his plans and promises. And so this song is full of Israel's longing for the advent of the Son of God. Even though it had been 400 years since God had spoke through his prophets, it was likely that this young girl had anticipated the fulfillment of God's promises from the very beginning. And now suddenly it was coming to pass. Gabriel says to her, the Lord was with her. Emmanuel, God with us. And you know what? It was always God's plan to use his people to do his work in the world. For example, we discover something interesting in the gospel genealogies. What's that? The, both Mary and Joseph were descendants of King David. And why is that interesting, you might be asking? David's throne actually was promised to be established forever. And through Mary and Joseph, Jesus is crowned our forever king. And so Mary and Joseph never really had control over how God worked would work in history, and they especially didn't expect that it would be through their baby and they would conceive by the Holy Spirit. But they were a part of it, and they knew something. They had anticipation. So what we need to understand is that control is actually contextual. You know, we're so prone to seeing the small picture and thinking in short terms. It is easy to think that we're in control and ignore all the larger context and all the variables. For example, we can think that generational trauma does not exist and won't touch us, but it does. That lousy eating habits won't catch up with us, but they do. We can act like our mistakes won't mount up and compound and our behavior doesn't matter, but we are more at the mercy of history than we regularly think about. The meta-narrative has unstoppable momentum, and so in the same way, the kingdom of God forcibly is advancing. You know, in the wisdom of King Solomon, he says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Isn't that true? In the larger context, we are not in control. And from the beginning, God offered us freedom, but we took control. And from that moment, our relationship with him was broken. So you might be able to say now, I've got everything under control, but that's an illusion. In this reality, it is that we have a broken relationship with God, and we can't fix it. We have a control problem, and we need help. And that's why I anticipate Christ today with great joy, because he mends that broken relationship. And so in the same way, After Mary's initial confusion and the fear that you can imagine, she knew in her gut that this was the beginning of everything she had been waiting for her entire life. She's just surprised on how it came to be. 
see Mary's lineage and longing in, in her response itself gives us a clear sense that God prepared her for a time like this. She trusted God's promises. She couldn't control them, though. See, God can work through your trust and not your control. So the next time that song comes on the radio, you can say with confidence, no, Mary knew. You're welcome. But, you know, we're we're wondering, how does Mary respond to God's disruptive plans for her life? And so this is important. Uh, Everything hinges on this next verse. So let's read verse 34 together. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And so I want to stop for a second just to appreciate Mary's words right now. Notice how Mary does not ask, how can this be, as if she's doubting or lacks belief. Instead, filled with fear and wonder, she does something much different. She says something much different. Mary says, how will this be? And what we find here is this very real-world expression of faith. Mary shows us that God can demonstrate his trustworthiness. See, let me ask you, who says that faith has to be blind? In my mind, it takes more faith to believe that I'm in control than it does to see God at work in my life. There's more evidence that God is working in the world than there is proof of our control. So then, why is it so hard for me and so hard for you to surrender control and put our faith in God? Well, you know, if we're going to summarize, there's three really quick reasons. It's hard to go from knowing God's promises like Mary and expecting them like Mary with faith. The first is when you let go of control and put your faith in God, you come to the end of knowledge. Your knowledge can only bring you so far in your journey with Christ, and it will bring you just short of miracles. The poet David White wrote this about knowledge. He says, although we may intellectually recognize how essential vulnerability is to our aliveness and ever significant expression of it, we remain astonishingly astonishingly averse to being vulnerable expending tremendous resources on constructing elaborate and ultimately illusory defenses against this basic condition of being alive. See, knowledge is not enough. The second reason this is hard is to let go of control and put our trust in God is that when we do that, we come to the end of self. In fact, control can be selfish. It can deny us and isolate us from others in important opportunities in our lives. God has big plans for the world, however, and they include more people than just you, and he has chosen you to reach other people. You know, sociologist Brini Brown wrote in one of her books, my inability to lean into the discomfort of vulnerability limited the fullness of those important experiences that are wrought with uncertainty. Love, belonging, trust, and creativity, to name a few. See, she's right. If we trust in God, it's going to bring us beyond ourselves. It's going to be uncomfortable. The third reason this can be really difficult is that when we let go of control and place our trust in God, you come to the end of certainty. God's plans are not always crystal clear and in advance. Oftentimes, following Jesus is just one step after another. You know, 
the Elvis of business leadership, Dr. Stephen Covey, used to say that we control our actions, but the consequences that flow from those actions are controlled by principles. Principles are a natural law like gravity. It's different than a value. Values are subjective. Principles are objective. Like gravity, if you drop something, gravity controls. Basically, Dr. Covey is saying how we act is the only thing we control, how we respond to life. The consequences to those actions are out of our hands. But in spite of all these reasons and all these troubles and barriers to trusting God, Mary jumps right in and starts looking for miracles. She's a teenage girl, and she's not cynical yet. She has no reason. She's, she has that childlike faith that Jesus is calling us to. Instead, she's invested. She says, how can this be? And this is the difference here between how can this be and how will this be? And with this statement of faith, she partners with God in his work. And so in the same way, when we let go of control, however terrifying it may be, we're saying to God, okay, I'm in. How is this going to work? See, God can work through your trust and not your control. So, you know, we're waiting to see how God is going to work in Mary's life. So we want to know, by extension, how can God work in our lives? Well, let's keep reading and find out. Starting with verse 35, Luke writes, And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What do we, we notice here in this final part of the passage? Well, I, what I think is that we discover how God can work in the life of a believer. The Holy Spirit moves in mysterious power. For example, a teenage virgin Mary, through the Holy Spirit, conceives a divine son, Jesus. And if she needed any proof that that was possible, Mary's older cousin, Elizabeth, the one that couldn't have babies, was six months pregnant. And so at this point, how do you think you would respond to all that is happening and all that you're hearing from this angel, all this news? It would be pretty puzzling. But for Mary, she was convinced that God was in control and that all things were possible for him. See, this is proof that control is really relative. And so let me tell you what that means. We have established that being in control is elusive and contextual, and we rely on this illusion of control because we don't see the bigger picture. But with the bigger picture in view, we know we can't control people and what happens. We just can't. The truth is that our lack of control is because we have lack of ability. We don't have the power to control things. Only God does. So in relationship to God, everything is under his control. Nothing is impossible for him. In Colossians, Paul writes, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Or in other words, are in his control. 
And so today, you might be at home or from wherever you're joining us, and you're scrambling for control. For whatever reason, there's many, especially right now. And so if that's you, you might be wondering, but if God is in control, why am I so afraid? And that's really a good question. And before I answer that question, let me say this. We need to be careful not to blame God for all the chaos in the world. But instead, if we we know the promises and the plans of God like Mary did, we can find an answer. See, God's original plan for us was for us to be fully alive. Instead, because of sin, our future was sin and destruction and death. And that is until Jesus intervened. And so the short and crude answer to the question of chaos is this. God is not the author of chaos, but he can redeem it. What Paul writes in Romans is that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. His will, his plans, his promises. And so in other words, if we love God and do his will, all things will work for good. Not knowing what that is and controlling what that good is for. But in the end, God will restore our life back to his original intention. And we long and look forward to that day. That is our future hope. And that's why we celebrate the advent of Jesus and that he will come again one day, restoring all things and redeeming this chaos. But the question we need to be asking today in the now, and even in the not yet of the future, is how, just like Mary did, how will this be? Not whether it can happen or not. How? So listen, knowing God's will is an essential part of letting go of control. Let me demonstrate. Let's circle back to verse 28 in this passage. The angel Gabriel says, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And so you might be wondering today, what does God's favor in my life look like? Mary wondered that. Luke says Mary was greatly troubled and tried to discern what sort of greeting this was. What does God's favor look like? For Mary, it's, you will conceive in your room and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Wow. If she wasn't frightened and confused and freaked out, now she was. That is not what you expect the favor of God to look like. But after the initial shock has passed, if I was Mary, I'd be trying to figure out one thing. I'd be trying to reconcile the idea of the favor of God with this miraculous news. Because this was going to blow up all my plans. Kind of like COVID has blown up all of our plans. The favor of God is not what you always expect it to be. But somehow Mary, wonderful Mary, handles this with grace. This is her response. She says, let it be. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. This teenager is the epitome of the servant of God. After all, she's a mom, right? It's funny because it's true. But seriously, she's attentive, faithful, and lives in full surrender in this moment in time. Mary discerned God's will. She teaches us that if we put our trust in the will of God, we can truly let go of control. Because God can do more through our trust than he can with our control. And so when God disrupts our plans and invites us into his story, there's nothing he cannot do, and there's nothing that is out of his hands. So how do we respond to that reality 
when we think about it. I think that when we behold Jesus as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, Holy God and Holy Man, born of a virgin through the Holy Spirit, we can only respond, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So in light of Mary's example today, how then is God calling us to live? Well, I think when we let go of control, the truth is we're not grocery bags floating around in the wind. Following Jesus today still means something. It still has structure, and we can define it. That's why we talk a lot about the five marks of a disciple here at Crosspoint. There's something we can do, and and oftentimes in terms of chaos, it's how we respond. How we respond is important. You know, the psychologist uh, Jordan Peterson addresses the problem of chaos and control in the foreword of his book, 12 Rules for Life. Peterson, who's kind of a grumpy fellow, you'll notice, writes, We require rules, standards, values, alone and together. We're pack animals, beasts of burden. We must bear a load to justify our miserable experience and existence. We require routine and tradition. That's order. But order can become excessive, and that's not good. But chaos can swamp us, so we drown, and that is also not good. We need to stay on the straight and narrow path. That's where we are simultaneously stable enough, exploring enough, transforming enough, repairing enough, and cooperating enough. It's there we find the meaning that justifies life and its inevitable suffering. So how do we walk that narrow path? How do we respond to chaos? and let go of control at the same time. Well, I I would say you start by, you know, abandoning all unhealthy controlling behaviors, but obviously that's easier said than done, and it's just a start. The chaos of life is like this strong river current. We might thrash around it, but the water still hurries forward with us. And so this analogy reminds me of growing up as a teenager in Northwest Territories, where I'm from, Fort Smith. And when I was a kid, I was always out of control. Looking back, I I realized I like things fast and risky. And if you know my story and a little bit of of God's redeeming work in my life, that is true. Thank God he's delivered me from that. But it really made me feel alive when I lived out of control. And so when I was a kid in the Northwest Territories, we used to go out to the spot in the Slave River called Mountain Portage. And this is where traders used to avoid the deadly rapids in the early 1900s. Nowadays, uh, these professional kayakers travel from all over the globe to just try out these wild, wild, and frankly, just terrifying waters. And so us, like a bunch of adrenaline junkies and stupid teenagers, just would jump into these rapids and play this game of chance. And so at Mountain Portage, there's a spot where the river diverted inland through these giant rocks that you can see in this picture here. Through a frenzy of turns and eddies and small waterfalls, you would go, and then it would merge back into the vast river flow with these breakneck speeds. And we like to call this the chute, because we would shoot down it. And it was an exhilarating ride on account of how dangerous it actually was. Why was it so dangerous? Well, if you managed to survive the rocks and the invisible undertow and the waterfall, you still might get sucked into the rapids, wedged under a rock, and find an early grave. We knew that that was a possibility. The odds of surviving that weren't high. We actually had seen the numbers. A lot of people had lost their lives that way. So 
if this was so dangerous and chaotic and out of control, how did we do it and survive? Well, there was one thing that we could hold on to, literally, one thing. Once you slid down the chute and before you tumbled down a waterfall and were sucked into the rapids, into the chaos, there was a single rock, a single rock. And this rock broke the water's edge on the right side of the chute, and if you timed it just right, you could grab it before getting sucked out into the chaos and pull yourself out and be like, wow, I'm alive. It was the exhilarating part of it. But you see, life is a lot like these rapids. It's out of control. But believers in Christ can grab a hold of the rock of ages. So when we trust in God, he isn't asking us to go wherever fate takes us. He is inviting us to reach out and take a hold of his son, Jesus, with both hands. Both of them. With everything you have. To lay hold to his promises like Mary and discern his plans and respond in faithful surrender because he's trustworthy. So today, just before we close, let's consider just for a moment in reflection how we can hold on to Jesus in the chaos right now. And so I have three really simple questions for you to reflect on. So just take a moment and quiet our minds and our bodies. And think about this. Wherever you're sitting, the first question I have for you is, what is God's plan for your life? He has a plan for you. Maybe you don't have an answer for that right now, but it's there in his word. And you can discern it. And I just want to invite you today to take that question to him. God, what is your plan for my life? God, what are you doing through this pandemic in my life, for my family, for my kids, for the people in our circle of influence? Maybe for a moment, just think about, you know, do the things I'm, like, are the things I'm planning lining up with God's plans and promises? The thread that I'm tugging at after, night after night, the same thread that God is working through history. God, what is your plan for our lives? The second question I have for you is really simple. What is it? What do we need to entrust to God that we are just controlling? Whether it's a thing or a situation, a person, uh, a, an event that we're trying to avoid, social interactions, um, being alone, especially right now. What do we need to entrust to God? Whether it's our finances, um, just um, our problems, the conflict that comes around Christmas. Can you just name that, that one thing that you just need to let go of control and give to God? And finally, thinking of that one thing, how can you be faithful? What is the first step? What is the, the action that needs to be taken to let go of control? Maybe if it's just a baby step. 
How can I take the first step in entrusting my control and all these things and all this chaos to Jesus? Think about that today. I hope that you'll take these questions and you'll go home and and find some time and some quiet and some uh, isolation, honestly, to reflect on these questions. The study guide has amazing uh, resources for you to do that. There's some music that I really found helpful uh, in reflection of this topic. We want to know God's plan, his will, so we can let go of control. And so before we close this, let me pray for you. Will you guys agree with me in prayer? Pray. Lord, we, we, we just come to you and surrender today. You are God. You are in control of everything. And we're sorry for all the times that we took control. And I can't imagine how that must have hurt your heart. See us lost, struggling and suffering, full of anxiety. So today we ask that you forgive us and help us. Disrupt our lives like you disrupted the life of Mary. Help us today to discern your will as we embrace your words and comfort us as we we struggle and wait. As we go today, I pray that you would fill us with faith and move us to action. Help us let go and hold on to your son. We love you for it. Couldn't do it without you. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.